KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. A lot of talk about the potential for recreational marijuana being legalized in Pennsylvania. Now, we did an earlier podcast on what that could mean for criminal justice reform. Now we want to focus on the economics. How much revenue could this bring in for the Commonwealth? How would it all work? How do you balance something that would be legal at the state level, but still illegal federally? We talk about all these topics and more in this conversation with Dr. Kevin Fandel. He is an associate professor of legal studies at the Fox School of Business at Temple University. Give a listen. Really interesting stuff. Now, I know people in the academic field hate to try to prognosticate, but there seems to be a lot of momentum in the state of Pennsylvania for the eventual legalization of recreational marijuana. Do you think it is a situation we are looking more at a when, not if, in the Commonwealth? It seems to be one of the avenues for closing a budget deficit. And I think that it's a pretty easy, low-hanging fruit for the governor to approach. There is a lot of support among the population within Pennsylvania. It's growing across the United States. And as we see more and more legalization in different states and different countries, I think we're getting a better sense of the fact that this model could work. It doesn't bring such negative consequences. So I do think it's a matter of when, not if. And we talk about closing a budget gap. How quickly could this happen? I mean, where are we as far as, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being it's legal today and 1 being it's never happened, not going to happen? How far along on the road and how quickly could this happen that it would affect the budgets? Because we're dealing with these shortfalls in the moment because of the pandemic. To be clear, I I think it depends on how this is done. Uh, There are a few models being discussed right now. One is to possibly look at this as a voter initiative and get this on a a future ballot to run kind of like a liquor store model. Just basically, Pennsylvania's got a lot of experience with this, having state-run liquor sales. And so for them, it's very easy to just adapt that model to the marijuana market. Uh, And if it's that approach, I think it's going to be much a much longer term before we start to see some of that revenue to close the budget deficit. Uh, And I can explain why in more depth later. But basically, that model, I think, would be the slowest way to actually achieve any revenue outcome. If you want to go more quickly with this approach, I think you would have to follow what states like Colorado have done, which would be to look at more of a market-based approach. Uh, That would create a faster way to collect taxes, both excise taxes, which are your sin taxes, and your sales taxes, as well as all the other fees associated with setting up shops, offering licenses, etc. That market-based model tends to produce revenue more quickly than I think a state-driven model would. We have legal medical marijuana. Is there a way to quickly build off that to this, or is it kind of a completely different animal? It is really a different market. You've got a different set of consumers using medical marijuana. And even though there's been a really significant increase recently in the users of medical marijuana in Pennsylvania, that group is not necessarily going to be interested in your edibles and your drinks and and your your, your typical marijuana users for recreational purposes. So you're really looking at two different animals. What Pennsylvania needs to be looking at for the recreational side 
is the existing black market. That's really the only place that you've got these recreational consumers right now getting their supplies. So any legislation needs to try to pull some of that market share away from the black market. Uh, So we're not pulling from medical users and medical users would not be necessarily blended with those recreational users. So really, I think they're two separate markets. You mentioned when you talked about the different approaches that the the concept of a state store be longer. Kind of dig down on that. Sure. Why would that be, that be longer? Is it just the bureaucracy involved? Not just the bureaucracy. One of the big problems, economically speaking, is that if you have a state-run model, you're by definition limiting access to the good. You're setting the prices. Uh, you're normally going to have a higher tax, more regulation. Also, because we're trying to peel away customers from a very well-established, very efficiently run black market already, to do that, you need something more attractive than the typical state store model. Uh, I think you really need to get them into a place where they feel comfortable. They feel that they're in their own type of market that they've got now. The state store approach that I'm used to from the liquor store uh, perspective is quite different from the black market marijuana perspective. So that, that's one issue. The, the other economic issue is, since you've got such an efficient black market already that does not have taxation, does not have regulation, does not have license fees, does not have to worry about all of the other bureaucratic issues, they can serve, a pretty, uh, they can serve marijuana recreationally at a pretty low price. So if the state's going to compete with that, you really need to let market forces come in to drive that price down, to find the efficiencies in the market and the the attractive sales point so that you can bring those consumers from the black market over into this newly legitimized market. Because at the end of the day, we're not creating a new product here. This is not a brand new product and it's not a brand new market. It exists. So uh, one professor at Wharton compared this to the existing market for soda. If you got drinkers of Coca-Cola and drinkers of Pepsi, if you create a new soda, it's not something brand new. You've got to pull away those existing uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi consumers to your new drink. So to do that, I think the state model really doesn't have enough flexibility in it, uh, enough efficiency to attract enough people from the black market in. And that's going to limit the revenue that the state sees at the outset. What are the... What are the numbers being thrown around as far as what this could generate for the state? Or is that even hard to get your head around because it depends on what road they go down and stuff like that? It is really difficult to estimate. We can make predictions based on the number of estimated marijuana users, recreational marijuana users. Um, We can do some guesstimating. Right now, I think the latest estimate that I heard was roughly $90 in revenue uh, in a year, which is pretty low compared to some other states. Uh, Colorado's already up over $300 million, for example. But uh, it's, it's a really difficult call because, again, it's a black market right now. It depends on how this is rolled out. If it's not done efficiently, you're not going to see that kind of revenue coming into the state. Why would a consumer go into a state-run store when they can just as easily and more affordably get it from their dealer, for example. Um, so the $90 million model is just a, a very broad estimate. It, you could probably improve upon that if you put the right efficiencies in place. Uh, 
But still, we're not talking about closing the entire budget deficit. Uh, the gap is is over four billion. It's not going to be fixed here. But you've also got to think about the fact that it's not just the revenue that we're looking at. Once marijuana recreationally is legalized in Pennsylvania, you're going to be able to benefit from other facets of the industry as well. For example, if you have a distribution system set up where shops need to get a license in order to run, which would be my recommendation, uh, they pay a license fee for that. And you're going to see pretty quickly a lot of applicants for those licenses. So that's, that's one area. Another area that you're going to see besides the tax revenue itself is you're going to see a boom in employment. And that's something that, of course, is really important right now. But you're going to see a reduction in unemployment as more and more people move into small businesses, running small shops, growing for themselves, setting up all the accessories, the paraphernalia, whatever it might be. That's going to create some employment in Pennsylvania, bringing in more, less burden on the state, let's say. You're going to see some cost savings with respect to the criminal justice system. This is, a, in, in my opinion, a really important social justice goal, but also something really beneficial for the state. They won't have to spend, expend as many resources on uh, jailing individuals for using marijuana or possessing marijuana. They're going to spend less on enforcement of these possession laws. So that's going to free those those law enforcement resources up to do other things. It's going to free up a lot of space in the jails. That's going to be really, really beneficial. Um, healthcare costs. Right now, there's a big risk when you're using the black market of potentially getting bad batches or something going wrong with that marijuana, leading a lot of people to get sick, injured, need additional care from the state. You wouldn't necessarily have that if you have a well-regulated and controlled legitimate recreational marijuana market. So there are a lot of those externalities that go beyond just the tax revenue. Beyond that, you can even look at things like uh, the real estate market. Right now, a lot of businesses are running out. A lot of small shops are closing up. If you have a lot of these vacant um, storefronts that will be available for small businesses like marijuana distribution, that could be a a boom for, for Pennsylvania. Banks, financial services, which right now cannot service the marijuana industry. Now, let me put a caveat here. This requires more than just Pennsylvania's legalization. This would require federal legalization. But if we go down that road, the banking industry would also benefit quite quite a bit from the legalization of recreational marijuana. So there's a lot of other benefits besides just those taxes. What have we learned Recreational marijuana is legal in several states. What have we learned from their experiences? Uh, I, I know you mentioned some numbers from Colorado. Overall, are they getting the the tax revenue? Is everything about what they thought? Is it higher than they thought? Have there been any downsides to this that we've learned? Every state that's rolled out some type of legalization has had really high expectations that have not been met. Um, Colorado really was banking on, on doing a great job being the, the first mover here. They took very careful, um, they paid very careful attention to their laws to make sure that this was done right, well-regulated. But initially, they weren't able to attract as many people away from the black market as they had expected. I think there was a lot of trepidation in Colorado, which, which hurt 
that market quite a bit. If you think about it, we, we really need to put this into perspective here. Federally, recreational marijuana is illegal. It is still a crime to buy, to distribute, to possess marijuana in every single state, regardless of what the state law says. So when Colorado came out and legalized recreational marijuana, a lot of potential users or existing users were legitimately concerned. If they start buying through legitimate means in the Colorado dispensaries, are they risking arrest? Are they risking employment? Is their, uh, their employer going to fire them because of, of the federal illegality of it? And I think that really tamped down the, the, the potential for revenue in Colorado. That being said, several years on, we can say that Colorado is actually doing pretty well with this. Um, I had read recently that in June of this year, Colorado had its best month ever of marijuana sales. Um, and the last year, in fact, has been the best year on record. So they're actually seeing significant growth recently in marijuana sales as their market becomes more efficient, as they feel more comfortable that they're not going to be, get arrested or lose their jobs for using marijuana, and as the state is getting better at regulating it. So Colorado does serve as a good experiment. Again, kind of weak at the beginning, but now they seem to have their, their house in order. Another model that we, I think, should look at would be not a state, but Canada. Canada is the first developed country to legalize marijuana nationwide. And they did that uh, in 2018. And that has really, I think, been a great experiment of what would happen if we in the United States got rid of our, our federal prohibition on marijuana. Canada also had really high expectations. They were looking at billions in revenue. That's what the hope was, uh, but they didn't get that. And this is kind of my concern for Pennsylvania. Canada followed a very state-run bureaucratic system to roll out legalized recreational marijuana, where they would give licenses to specific dispensaries that were government-run. So it's very similar to Pennsylvania's liquor store model in that sense. Um, because of that, they saw really, really low initial uh, revenue. A lot of users did not want to come into that market. Plus, the way they rolled it out, they didn't do it all at once. They started out with just plants and seeds and oils. And only last year did they start to roll out um, edibles and drinks and things of that nature. So it's, it's been getting better. Canada has been getting more comfortable with this and users are getting more comfortable with it. But again, really high expectations were not met. And I fear that in Pennsylvania, if, if this is what the Congress or, or the government, the governor is hoping for, that he's going to have significant revenue at the outset, I would lower those expectations a bit. And we talk about being in a budget crisis today because of this. This is a tool where, what would be best case scenario if they were to decide we're going to do this? We're talking at least a year or so before you would start to see money rolling in, correct? Or am I, I being too so, dramatic? Yeah. No, no, you're not being too dramatic. I think it would take at least a year before you see any real revenue. And to be honest, we're in an election year. So it's going to be difficult to know what happens next year. I, there's a significant sense that this is not just an issue at the individual state level, but that the U.S. Congress is considering this too. There's a bill in play right now 
looking at removing marijuana from Schedule One, uh, the Controlled Substances Act, which would, in effect, open the door to all states uh, legalizing recreational marijuana. That, I think, would give states like Pennsylvania that are right on the cusp of doing so a little bit more momentum to drive a market-based approach that users feel secure with. It's not going to speed up the revenue, but it is going, because you still need to go through all the processes of setting up licenses, getting regulations put in place, coordinating with your health and human services agency, with your environmental agency, with um, zoning issues. All of that has to be put in place first. But once that's set up, once you've got that in place, I think it's going to speed up the, the number of users coming over into the legitimate market. So you're, once you get that initial revenue, it could be higher as a result of that. So there's a lot of factors in play that would determine how quickly and how much revenue Pennsylvania would see. You mentioned, obviously, still illegal at the federal level. So the states where it's legal, is it just kind of a understanding that the feds are not going to pursue here? Is it look the other way? I mean, that, that seems like a giant leap of faith to put all this into this bucket, which could be completely overturned at a moment's notice. Not just that it could be overturned. It is still illegal. So there's there's nothing to overturn here. The law is the law. What we had under the Obama administration was, as Colorado and other states got into this business, the Obama administration decided to use something called prosecutorial discretion, which is basically saying, we're going to choose what our federal law enforcement resources are spent on. And we're not going to spend them on enforcement of federal anti-marijuana laws in states that have legalized recreational marijuana. So Colorado and Washington and and other states, Um, they issued something called the Cole Memo, which basically wrote that out and said, if you're in Colorado or these other legal states, don't worry, we are not going to arrest you for violating federal law. We're gonna let this play out and see how it goes. It's become a huge experiment. And I think the Obama administration knew that Congress wasn't ready to pass any change in legislation yet. So they used the only resources they had in the executive, which was discretion, to to see how it played out and if it produced revenue for those states. If there was a way they could say, hey, this is much better than, than we realized. Maybe we should actually change the law. That memo was immediately rescinded by uh, incoming Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, who was very, very much against uh, marijuana legalization in the first place. So theoretically, right now, it is still possible for somebody in Colorado to be arrested for violating federal marijuana laws. And that has happened in some cases. There have been um, situations in which there are large distributions, large warehouses that are overproducing, and our uh, DEA has gone in after them. So that still can happen in those states. It would be, uh, it could be different under a new administration. I don't particularly know whether a possible Biden administration would go back to the Obama approach or whether our U.S. Congress is ready to change those laws. But like I said, there is a law, there is a, a, a bill floating around right now that has some support. And I think the more states that get on board and show productive revenue 
and minimal safety risk, the more likely it is the U.S. Congress will take its hands out of the pot, literally. And you talked about the banking. That seems like a giant hurdle. If you are running a store, a business, a corporation, and you cannot utilize banks in a normal way, how do you, how are places dealing with their financials if they really can't use the banking system? Cash. It's all cash. I've read stories of uh, very successful uh, distributors just taking basically briefcases full of cash either to pay their taxes, pay their tax bills, um, or, or even just storing it. Where are you going to put this, this money? You basically, you're putting it under your mattress. So you've got to take a lot of security precautions. There's a lot of concern that in any um, marijuana dispensary, any productive building, you're going to probably find a lot of cash in there. So it's a really big security risk. Um, in fact, I'll just tell you as, as a little anecdote, when I was in with some students in Bogota, Colombia, back in February, they are one of the first, one of the first Latin American countries to legalize marijuana. And we went out to a warehouse dealing with cash again. Um, everything was very, very secure to try to keep it as invisible from the public as possible and keep it off the radar. Um, and that's because there's a lot of concern here that we're operating in a gray area where you know that it's going to be cash-based, you know that there's going to be access to the materials right there on the premises that a lot of people would otherwise get on the black market. So these companies have to take a lot of security precautions, have to stay as invisible as possible until they can use more legitimate means like the banks. What have been the main arguments of people that have been against legalization recreationally? And have we seen any of the concerns that they had come to fruition in states where it has been made legal? The main concerns now seem to be health concerns. Uh, Marijuana can have some uh, debilitating effects mentally, depending on which study you read. They can be serious or not so serious. Um, And that we would see an increased use by teens, by young people, um, increased things like DUIs, employees coming to work uh, that are under the influence of marijuana that would slow productivity, for instance. Those, Those are typically the arguments being made, not unlike what you see with alcohol. Statistically, we don't have a whole lot of good data. The only thing that I've seen, again, coming out of Colorado, is that there has been actually a decline in teen use of marijuana. Um, I think if you take away the stigma um, a little bit and you take away the mystique of a black market product, it's not so attractive anymore to to the new generation. So you you do see that. There have been some increases in adult use, however. That could be simply a matter of the fact that we now have better data. It's very hard to get data on black market use of anything. So the fact that now we have more people coming out of the shadows and legitimately using, it's a little bit easier to measure that. But statistically, no, there there haven't been any significant increases or decreases that have been recorded yet following legalization. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 